When we think about what people have lost because of COVID-19, it sort of feels like there are different categories. There are those things that are really obvious, like losing your job, losing your workspace and your workmates that came with that, same for school. Maybe you've lost playing sport on the weekend or watching sport or watching music or theatre. Maybe you've lost Friday night drinks or maybe you've lost being able to see your mum or a friend who's sick. Maybe you've lost someone to COVID-19. Then there are the less obvious losses, like losing the way having all those things made us feel and perhaps losing some of our mental health thinness because of that. Hey, this is Penny Terry, and on this episode of Health Speak, we're going to find out how to help others who've lost stuff, both obvious and not obvious, and how we do that when we can't be with them. Let's see what Dan reckons about this and what he's lost in just a few weeks. My life personally is infected in a few different ways. The most apparent one would probably be my my job that I just started. Um, So I was made redundant with a lot of other people at the company as well. I had plenty of friends that have lost their jobs as well, um, friends and family. Personally, it's made me not be able to go and enjoy the football trip in Melbourne or the gigs that um, I was intending to go watch or because I'm also involved in playing live music, so it's affected my whole social circle in terms of that as well. Uh, there's no gigs or venues open to go and play and nothing happening. So it's basically affected every aspect of my life and a lot of people I know. Just listening to you talk about that, that must have a pretty significant impact on your mental health and how you're managing that. Mm-hmm. What are you finding? Yeah, I mean, I find that most people are quite flat about it obviously um it's really hard to it's really hard to get past it in the fact that even if you are able now to you know talk to a friend on a video chat or a phone it's really hard to find something to talk about that's not (laughs) COVID-19 related because there's really nothing going on um so it's really hard to break that cycle of what have you been doing yeah that's probably the most difficult thing it's kind of consuming everybody's everyday life. You mentioned that word flat. Mm. What does flat mean for you? Uh, flat for me is just just unsure, uneasy, kind of like a, a neutral feeling like that and not being able to lift it, I suppose, And because it's everywhere. I think everybody feels the same and it's just bouncing off everybody. <laughs> yeah, obviously everybody's in the same situation and uh, this pandemic is affecting everybody in some way. So everybody can relate to it. There's no one out there that could possibly be saying that it's not affecting them. With everyone dealing with something, whether it's a lost job or a lost routine, you've probably noticed that everyone seems to be dealing or not dealing with it differently. Caroline Thane is a mental health clinician at Headspace. She's been hearing from different people about what's going on for them, from those who've never spent time thinking about their mental health to those who actively manage it every day. I've heard a couple of different stories more recently, one from a young person who actually feels better equipped to manage the stress that comes along with COVID-19 because they've had some therapy in the past 
They know their early warning signs when they're feeling more stressed and they've got some really great coping strategies. So for them, they sort of were talking to me recently about how they feel they're actually coping a lot better than a lot of their friends. I guess the other side are perhaps people who, and not just young people, I guess, but people who are really struggling with the physical distancing maybe finding it harder to keep social connection um, and they're noticing that it's tending to impact on their mood so feeling sort of lower in themselves lower in their mood and more anxious yeah look it's varied I suppose is the short answer but I think the biggest contributing factor is the feeling of um, disconnection um, and needing to rely more on IT platforms to stay connected. And I think young people are actually probably a bit ahead of the game in that field. But they do, you know, they do still feel it for sure. What about for people who probably don't spend much time thinking about their mental health day to day and now this huge thing has happened in the world that no one has control over and rules are being put in place? What are you hearing about how they're dealing with the situation when it comes to the effects on their everyday mental health? Look, I think there's a lot of grief and loss in in most communities and not that's not just specific to Tassie. So I think people are grieving loss of um, roles and routines and responsibilities and that might be through um, loss of work, it might be through just grieving different environments or finding it hard to stay in contact with people and I think there are some people who are having to really think about um, their feelings and think about stress levels. Um, mm. And I think some, and yeah, and I think there are some people that have perhaps not done that before in their lives. But, and that's what I can't, that's, I suppose, on the flip side of that. I love that COVID 19 is making people talk about their mental health because I am obsessed <laughs> with that. <laughs> I love it. That idea of um, feeling the feelings, and you mentioned the word grief before, and people are probably feeling more on edge. I don't even know what the words are. I can't put it into into words. Um, yeah, yeah. How do we know if it's grief or if it's anxiety or if it's stress or if it's whatever it is? How do, how do we know? What can we look out for? Um, do you know, there's a really cool thing that I talk to some people about and it's about knowing what your barometers are in your environment. So if you're kind of new to this mental health lingo and even the thought of it being remotely to do with your mental health and your mind might totally make you feel very uncomfortable. Um, I sometimes talk to people about what are their barometers in their environment. So an example for um, my lovely husband, who I'm just going to dob in, is our dog. So if I, I, he knows he's feeling more stressed if Sadie we love her to pieces. But if he finds that he's more annoyed with her if she's sitting in, in, you know, in the middle of the hallway, he will be really cross with her about sitting in the middle of the hallway. So that's one of his barometers. And usually if he's kind of cruising through his day, you know, he won't worry about Sadie. So it's actually helpful to think about what are some of the things that you have embedded in your daily routine that could be a barometer for you that you're carrying a bit more stress. Um, for a lot of parents, I think it might be just being a bit shorter with their kids. Um, for me, I know morning routine, if I'm carrying a bit more stress, I will be running late, I'll be a little bit quicker and shorter in my responses, but really specific things in your environment to know that they're um, as an indicator of your barometer can be really helpful. 
It sounds like that could also be a really useful way for friends and family and community members to work out how the people around them are going at the moment. How do we know if things are, I guess, what's a what's a warning sign or a, a an alarm bell to know if someone is, is really doing it tough and not coping? Pre-COVID-19, you know, most of us had um, a way of coping with day-to-day stress. So sometimes that can be a really good place to start. What's tricky now is we're not seeing each other as much. So often one of the warning signs would be changes in behaviour. So things like people not sleeping so well, maybe people not eating very well, changes in mood, being more irritable, perhaps being more withdrawn. So I think it's very tricky to know how someone's travelling now, particularly if they're perhaps someone living on their own. So even if you think that they are people in your life that would handle this quite well, I think it's really helpful to be picking up the phone right now and checking in and just hearing their voice because obviously we can't drop round to people and check in and actually visually sight them. Um, you know, text messaging, young people who are on social media, you can check in that way. But I suppose it's important that we still think a bit more dynamically in that space around how to check in. So if somebody was on the phone who who perhaps wasn't as verbal as they usually are on the phone, things like, you know, the text messages might come through and they might be shorter or you might find there are big delays in someone writing back to you. Um, they're often little little signs. And I think you can't go wrong really if you ask somebody how they're travelling I think um, not just in Australian society, but we're pretty good at going, oh, hey, how are you going? And then sometimes because that's sort of a social rule where we just go, hey, how are you doing? And people go, yeah, good. You just say it without even really thinking. It's actually really important that you take time to ask the second part of that, which is how are you? How are you doing? And I think to sometimes encourage people to offer how they are travelling, you might um, disclose a little bit of yourself like, Um, For example, today, you know, we had a really tough day with our youngest kid, just lots of emotion. Or um, So if you sort of are able to talk a little bit about your story to an extent where you feel comfortable but you're not also burdening that person with your stuff, it can allow that conversation to happen and they can then maybe start to disclose a little bit about how things are for them. Um, The next part of that, though, is so I think it's just... Oh, it's just so important, is you don't then jump to problem solve their issue um, because at the moment there are lots of things that we can't problem solve um, and you just listen. There is so much power in just listening to somebody. You know, a lot of therapists like me, we have this rule where we've got two ears and one mouth so you should be listening twice as much as you're talking, which can be very hard for me, Pen, because I love a good <laughs> chat. How do you tease a bit more out? I'm thinking if there are people you're worried about and, as you said before, they're not talking as much as they usually are, I guess it's crossing that boundary of feeling that you're not prying. Do you have any hot tips for those sorts of conversations to get a bit more out of someone without feeling like you're prying? I suppose one of the tips is don't go too deep too quickly. (laughs) So if you're on the phone, even if you know them quite well, You know, you might start with us, uh, you might have a bit of a joke, for example. So I suppose it's about trusting your existing relationship you have with that someone. And if you know that they're someone that you have a bit of banter with, you'd start there. You wouldn't pick up the phone and go, okay, 
tell me how are you feeling right now? I need to know. (laughs) Um, So start, go slowly, take as long as you need to. That's really important. And you'll find hopefully the longer you're on the phone or you're messaging for that it allows that person to feel comfortable enough to open up. Speaking of going slow, Dan has a few thoughts on strategies that he's been using to make sure he can be as mentally well as he can be right now. I'm a pretty social person, so I've still been keeping in contact with a lot of friends um, by means of how you can, I suppose, whether it be on the phone or on video chats or whatever. Um, recently been a new app doing the circuit around my friend group, um, House Party. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar about it. But um, that's a really good way to be able to have several people on a video chat at the same time and you can play interactive games together and it's um, been good fun. It's really like you're all sitting down at the pub having a laugh, really. It's also trying to keep busy, I think, is probably the key. There's always, you know, it's kind of bittersweet in terms of everybody can take a little bit of a breather and spend some time at home or with family or having a read of a book or you know, whatever you can that you might not necessarily have time to do. It's really a good opportunity to slow uh, slow down a little bit and have a bit of a deep breath. And I think that's probably the best advice I could probably give at the moment. For people who have got friends or family who have had particular struggles during COVID-19, as you said, we all do, but they know someone who's lost their job or the income's changed or they're cut off from family or friends, they're not able to do the things that were really important to them. How can people help from home? Like what have been the useful things that people have done for you considering, you know, you've lost your job, you can't play your music? Mm. Yeah, I think just checking in on your friends and family in general is really important. I mean, I've even, you know, spoken to people that haven't spoken spoken to daily or weekly just to check in and see how they're going. Um, even the people that you wouldn't think necessarily need checking in on is important in times like this. Yeah. What do you What are your biggest worries at the moment? Yeah, I was speaking about this with a friend recently, and I don't have a problem with the isolation or how things are at the moment. I think it needs to. We need to be doing these kind of things for this to all get better eventually. Um, the most worrying thing is probably the the time frame. I think it's, you know, these precautions are great, but it's a bit unsettling not having a time frame, knowing whether it's going to go on for a few weeks or a few months really. And um, living in a place like, like this it hasn't got the greatest economy. So I suppose um, something like this is a bit worrying in terms of how going to recover from this if it goes on for the next few months. How do you think that those kind of things might impact your life on on the other side? Yeah, I mean, my life and a lot of other friends and it's, I think, obviously the real big thing is going to be um, employment again. Um, You know, whether I know that obviously a lot of these bars and cafes and things like that are going to be able to go back into full swing and I think a lot of people are going to be excited about doing that when they can, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the owners of those venues and things can just start operating like normal um, at the drop of a hat. It will obviously take a bit of time to recover and people having money to be able to get back into that kind of lifestyle when things go back to normality. (laughs) Normality, yeah. Can you remember that? One thing that's been completely thrown for lots of people is routine. Trying to maintain or find a new routine 
is one of the things Caroline says is important right now. But how do we help someone else settle into a new routine when we can't lock them in for that usual after-work walk or Friday lunch at the club? Um, I suppose ask them what they're doing through the day. And if they go, oh, you know, same thing, just sitting here doing nothing. Again, you can model. I mean, mean, that might sound a little bit cliche, but if you're modelling what you're doing through your day and you can talk to that person about what you're doing, um, you're actually giving them a gentle little nudge that perhaps they could be doing a similar thing. So for us, it's quite important that we, we've got primary school age kids and so we have a little whiteboard. They love the whiteboard. Um, and so they write things that we're going to do that day and it helps them keep a little bit of structure. But I suppose if you were to just start talking about something like that, like using a whiteboard with a friend, they might go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And that way you're not telling them what to do, but you're just sharing an experience with them that can be helpful. Getting to the tough stuff now, if you think someone's really not coping and it might not be safe for them, how do we help from a distance in that case? There's a really good thing to remember, I think. Um, If there's a few of you that are worried about somebody, it's about um, sharing that worry together. If the person you're concerned about or worried about isn't opening up to you, you can also ask somebody in that network to try. I suppose my advice would be don't take that personally for a start. They might feel um, more comfortable with someone else talking and opening up with somebody else. So that's really important to remember that if somebody doesn't open up to you, it doesn't mean that they might not open up to somebody else. But then I suppose it's also really important that you use the helplines right now. We've got the mental health helpline in Tassie and that's a very important helpline to use if you're worried about somebody needing needing an immediate response and I guess you know you know things like self-harm and um, suicidality so you know those mental health helplines are there for a reason even if um, the person you're worried about won't use those helplines themselves then it's okay for you as a concerned loved one to use those helplines that's really important Um, and they can give you some advice and make sure that you guys are doing everything you can and making sure that that person is connected with the services that they need to be right now. The federal government announced the Beyond Blue helpline, which is, you know, fantastic for people who have mental health issues directly related to COVID-19. So that's, I mean, a fantastic thing that the government have done. So I guess know your helplines. It's really, really important. Um, Your local ones um, as well as that national one. And if you are worried about somebody, it's okay to share that worry with a friend and talk about the best way to respond. Caroline, people listening to this, they might be worried about someone else. They might just be thinking about their own health. They might just be logging something for later because it's learning not just for now during COVID-19 but for the rest of our lives. Have you got a few strategies for us to look after ourselves um, while we are staying at home? Oh, pen. So many. So there's a few things I want to say about that. What might be right for me and my life is not necessarily right for everybody else. I think as we've all jumped online, there is so much information. You know, if it's how you should be parenting your kids at home or, you know, should they be in school, should they not be in school, there is so much information and information about how you should have your routine set up at home. The first tip is do, yes, definitely set a routine in my opinion, but make sure that routine is right for you and your family. Remember connection. And again, um, that 
we can stay connected and doesn't have to be face-to-face or on the phone, social media, um, you know, screen to screen. The other thing, always be kind when you're hearing lots and lots of opinions about different things. Um, I think when we're at, when, you know, humans are uncomfortable with any emotion, we can kind of project that out as defensiveness and irritability. Go slowly with your emotion. Um, and remember to be kind towards other people, even when they have really strong opinions, because often it's about them managing their own emotion right now. And the other thing, you know, give yourself permission to have a bit of a giggle. I think, you know, I'm referring to, um, <laughs> can't believe I'm going to say this, I'm referring to coronavirus as um, my Sharona. So I'm not saying Sharona. <laughs> uh, I love how you paused before you said that. Uh, you're like oh my gosh what's she gonna say um because it actually just keeps it a bit light otherwise it's really it's you know it feels really heavy right now keeping it light now that's something that caroline and dan agree on hard have a listen what's a good way to have a a check-in conversation with somebody who might have just lost their job or might not be able to do those things that are really important to them Give us some tips, if you like, about um, how, how to run that conversation so you come off feeling good and you don't come off feeling a bit crap. I think it's just about having a bit of a laugh at it really, isn't it? Like it's to ring up and try to find some humour in anything. So whether the people in your world are laughing or crying, they're yelling or reflecting, We're all feeling something, which Caroline loves, but suggests we don't try and fix these feelings or problem solve for others, but rather listen. The two ears and one mouth thing. Let's get to those mental health hotlines. You can call the Mental Health Services Helpline in Tasmania on 1800 332 Caroline mentioned Beyond Blue's new coronavirus mental wellbeing support service. That number is 1800 512 348 and you can find them online too. Or you might like to join a group chat through eHeadspace. The lifeline number is 13 11 14 and I'll put these details and the websites in the show notes too. And cue, there it is. If you haven't yet, click subscribe or follow on your podcast app or liked our Facebook page at HealthSpeak Podcast, we'd love you to. And share it with someone else. Hook us up. That way you and those close to you will be able to hear each episode as soon as it drops as part of the Healthy Georgetown Project, thanks to the Georgetown Council. And I do wonder how much of the load we can take off our health and community services if we all work together and help from our homes. (music) 